Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life with the advisors from Foster and Motley. In this podcast, they share their mission to help individuals, couples, and families achieve the life they envision by providing a comprehensive wealth management experience. Join this seasoned team of experts as they explore actionable steps to improve your financial well-being and answer your most pressing questions. For most people, the goal of a lifetime of work and a career is retirement. But how do you financially prepare for retirement? I mean, really, how do you navigate life with no paycheck? Or is there a paycheck? What are the options? And how do you know what makes sense for you? I'm Patrice Sikora. And with me to talk about creating the post-employment paycheck are Foster and Motley's Luke Hale and Rachel Rasmussen. Now, Luke is a financial planner. Rachel is an investment manager. And they know a thing or two about setting yourself up for retirement. Luke, going to tap you first. Why should people care about retirement plans? This is exciting. This is an exciting thing to talk about, believe it or not, because this is the way you move yourself from uh, working for somebody else to, to moving to a place where you can do what you want to when you want to. So it's not about uh, delayed gratification and that's so hard and all that kind of negative talk. It's about a positive kind of experience, moving you to be financially independent, independently wealthy if we play our cards right. I like that. Uh, and and uh, this is the way you do it. A retirement plan is, is kind of the first ingredient in the secret sauce. Uh, you got to you got to go where the, those tax loopholes are and, and the retirement plans, the 401k plans and things like that are one of the few places that are, are available as a loophole. They're kind of the everyman loophole and um, the government will allow you to, to not pay taxes on money you contribute. And you just don't get to do that in very many places. <laughs> so it, I, I think it's a neat, uh, I think it's a neat trick. And it's, the, and it's the way to get yourself going towards where you really want to be. I think once you start saving in whether it be a 401k or whatever it is, the momentum keeps you going. But how do you get them to start? I think you have to, the one, lay out the vision. I think you've got to know where you're going. And you don't have to know exactly where you're going, but you have to know that at some point, you probably don't want to work any longer, or the human body does give out. You may not be able to work any longer. Mm. So there's a there's a kind of a two parts to that. Is one you want to accumulate enough wealth that you can do what you want to do when you want to do it, when you're still healthy enough to do it and enjoy it, and the other is it's a little bit of a protection if life doesn't go the way you think it. It might. You've got enough saved where you can do what you need to do for you and your family because you've created that flexibility in the form of saving in your retirement plans. I love this phrase here, loophole for the everyman. You kind of paraphrase that. <laughs> Talk about that. Well, the tax code is a very complicated thing. And we hear on TV and other places about how, you know, this giant company doesn't pay any taxes. And, you know, we think, oh, my gosh, how could that be? How is how does that translate to me? It seems like I'm paying too many taxes. 
Well, the tax code has actually gotten a lot simpler for the individual in the last few years with the increase of the standard deduction. Used to, a lot of people got to itemize different deductions. And now they don't get to as much because our standard deduction is nice and high. But because you don't get to itemize, you lose out on some things that you used to get to deduct. But a retirement plan contribution is still something you get to deduct. So they didn't kind of scrap that when they scrapped a bunch of the other deductions. So this is an encouragement by our government to hopefully make us self-sufficient. So they give us a break so they don't have to take care of us later. So (laughs) take advantage of the break, save your money, and you can be financially independent, uh, separate and apart from any government resource. But what about Social Security? Well, what about it? I'm not sure. You know, it it seems like it's going to be there, but I think it's going to be there for all of us in a ever decreasing format. Uh, Even now, they are not decreasing Social Security benefits per se, but your Medicare costs are adjusted based on how much money you earn. So essentially, they're taxing people that have done better, potentially saved more or earned more money through a higher Medicare cost when you receive it. And that Medicare cost, guess what? Comes right out of your Social Security. So it's kind of like they tax Social Security. So I think We all hope that Social Security is uh, a promise that we can count on, but it seems like it's getting means-tested around the edges. And I think it's a safe bet to say that it's not going to mean as much in the future as it does uh, to current retirees because it'll just be diminished in some way, shape, or form. So the earlier we can start saving in some other form, the better. That's right. We have to we have to be independent. You know, we're in the the business of making people financially independent, and we have to create our own financial independence separate and apart from things that we used to be able to count on more than we can count on now. And the retirement plan is the first step in in the series of steps that you can use to create that independence. Rachel, talk to me here. Well, Social Security may not be enough. So you have to come in and figure out what your needs are going to be, you know, now and in the future. And where are you going to make up that that shortfall? If you can't count on Social Security to meet all your needs, well, you have to come in with some savings on your own. And the earlier that you do that, the better off you're going to be. You know, we talk about paying yourself first. We use that term a lot. Um, each and every month, you have bills that you need to pay. You pay your mortgage. You pay your utilities. Well, pay yourself as as part of that list. And what I mean by that is investing early and often is going to set you yourself up for success down the road. Money is a powerful tool in that it compounds. And you know, you hear that saying, mm-hmm. money is the eighth wonder of the world. Power of compounding is the eighth wonder of the world because money makes more money. And I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said, money makes money. And the money that money makes, makes money. 
And that was, <laughs> I mean, I love that because um, it, it's, it's true. Like if you start saving early, you may only need to save, say 10% of your income because your money is growing and growing. But if you wait and you defer that savings, that paying yourself first for a few years, you may need to save 15% or 20%. And in your current day-to-day, that might make you um, less satisfied with your with what you take home. So we really encourage saving early and often. So let's go over an example. Just put that out in, in terms here. So let's say we have an 18-year-old and that 18-year-old is smart. So they're starting to save early. This 18-year-old is saving $2,000 a year for 10 years. So $2,000 each and every year, $20,000 total. If you apply an 8% growth number to that each and every year, and we know markets don't work that way, but just let's keep it simple. At age 65, that portfolio would end up at a value of nearly $540,000. So that's quite a lot of growth for a $20,000 investment. You you put it in early, often, and leave it in for a long time. It's just the power of compounding, money making money for you. We think that's a really cool concept. Take that same individual, and let's say they weren't as wise at 18, and they waited to save until they were 28. So 10 years later, that person would have to save $3,000 a year for 20 years. So $60,000 of their own money, triple the original investment to end up at a similar amount. So that would take them to $548,000 at age 65. So you can really see that you get this you get to the same value at the end of the day but you have to put in more money for longer the longer you wait to save. So that's where this advice comes pay yourself first, start early, save often and stay invested. So the 2000 certainly makes more sense. Well and and you don't want to leave benefits on the table. You know, one of the things is okay, you're saving money. But if you're working for a company, most most times there is some sort of a match, some sort of incentive to get you to save. So say you save 3%, perhaps your company throws in 3% of their money. Mm-hmm. So it would be crazy for you to leave that compensation on the table by not putting in at least enough to in your 401k to get the match. That's free money. Um, so, so at least be doing enough to get the match and get the full compensation available to you. And perhaps they give you some stock in the company because you're contributing to these plans. So really take a good look at your benefits, making sure you're maximizing what you're not only what you're able to save, but also what the company is able to help you save. So it's a really nice tool. Is it ever too late to start? It's never too late. It's better to do some than none. We might work with folks who started saving when they're young and then they realize, hey, perhaps I don't want to work until I'm 75 what do I need to do to get me myself in a position to be able to 
stop earlier. You know, I'm kind of getting burned out on this. Well, we can back into that and kind of figure out, okay, based on some reasonable return expectations and certain savings rates, what's it going to take to help you get there? And that's where engaging a financial planner like Luke or another person at Foster and Motley can really, really help. All right. There are different types of plans, right? There are many different types of retirement, pre-retirement plans, whatever. Why do we have so many plans and tell me about them? It's an interesting question. I don't know the why. I think they just kind of sprout up based on need and maybe tax circumstance, a little bit of politics thrown in around the edges. Um, So maybe the common ones that we run into, if somebody's employed at a a company that um, is a pretty good sized company, usually they'll have a 401k. So people have heard about 401ks, even if they don't have one, they conceptually kind of know what one is. And and that's probably the most common kind of, of plan that there is. That's called a defined contribution plan because you define what you want to contribute and what it's actually worth when you retire is a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other kind of plan, which is less common, but it used to be a lot more common, the pension plan. Is oh, gosh, a, a pension. What's a pension? Yeah, I know. They were great when they were around and they're just gradually going extinct because employers uh, have to make a promise in the end. And it's hard to live up to that promise. It's hard to promise something several years in the future. So we talked about defined contribution that you define what you contribute. Okay. I put in $5,000 a year. That's my contribution. Now defined benefit is, Hey, if you put in a percent of your salary, whatever that is, then at the end, you get a defined benefit. So that might be $2,000 a month from the widget prep, uh, pension plan. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with the widget pension plan is that the widget company a lot of times doesn't last as long as the promise to pay. So the businesses have a lifespan. They kind of come and go. Um, but pensions actually have a very long lifespan. So the things don't match up very well. The The lifespan of the company and then the lifespan of the promise of the pension don't match up very well. So they have become a lot less common. A lot of our friends that work for government entities, if they're a school teacher or if they work for the federal government or state government, maybe local governments have access to pension plans, but most of the rest of us don't. So we, we get to contribute to our 401k plan. We get to maybe do an individual retirement account. That's another common kind of retirement plan, especially for people that don't have access to a 401k plan. If you don't, then you can contribute to an individual retirement account. Those are... your contribution level is a little bit smaller. It doesn't offer a match, so it's not quite as as good as a four hundred one k plan. But it is a type of four type of savings plan that might be good for somebody that has their own business and it's a small business, and you know they they want to contribute to a, a retirement plan, but they don't really have that much. So it may work really well for those people in those circumstances that have a limited amount that they can contribute and don't have a company sponsored retirement plan. So I think our government over the years has come up with 
opportunities for people to save that are in different circumstances. So if you're a company employee, maybe that's the 401k plan. If you're a privately employed person running your own business, maybe that's a, an IRA or a SEP IRA. There's all kinds of uh, really complex kind of retirement plans that are out there. But what the listener needs to know is there's a way to save and get this every man loophole. There is a way to kind of get tax benefits almost no matter where you work or what you do. You just have to talk to somebody that's versed in this kind of thing, and they will tell you what your best uh, options are. So we just have to take advantage of, of the best things that are available at the time and do those. And then next year, we ask the same question. Is there something else better available? And uh, surround yourself with a good team of people, a CPA, a financial planner, investment advisor, all these kind of people are versed in retirement plans and can look at what you have available to you and help you take advantage of, of these loopholes. Luke, you make just such a good point there as we've seen pension plans phase out over the years because companies are de-risking their balance sheet. They're putting more of the onus on the employee to be the saver and take the risk of, okay, does this money last throughout the um, retiree's lifespan? That, that, that responsibility goes more on the individual, which means you really need to look at your options, understand your benefit packages, understand if you're an individual um, business owner or you have a small team, there are things that you can do to help yourself now that are going to really pay off if you do them each and every year. But it becomes the longer you wait, the more difficult it becomes to to get that full maximum benefit. So the the phasing out of the pension plan has almost put this to the forefront of pay attention to this now. What are some of the ways you could maximize your benefits? I think when we work with people, we we take if they're a company employee, we'll we will actually take their benefit books uh, that the companies provide them when they begin working. And we'll go through them and we'll see, okay, what's available? What can you be doing here? Sometimes it's a 401k. Sometimes it's a 401k and something called a deferred compensation plan. So that kind of lets you save extra money uh, on top of your 401k. We run into health savings accounts. Health savings accounts are kind of interesting. So they were built really a few years ago to help us pay for if you have a high deductible health insurance plan. So only certain people have this kind of plan, but more and more people do have a high deductible health insurance savings plan or health insurance plan. You can put a health savings account with that and essentially save money it's about $7,000 a year for a family pre-tax. Again, the loophole, we're always looking for the loophole. So, you know, and if you make $100,000 a year and you use one of these, put $7,000 in for your family, the, the loophole is now you're only taxed on $93,000, 100 minus seven. So that's the loophole is you get tax-free, uh, you get to invest your money tax-free. So you can put money away in the health savings account and then it can grow like a retirement plan too. If, you, if you're a healthy person, maybe you don't have many expenses, or maybe you choose to pay for your health expenses just out of pocket and just use this as an extra savings vehicle. So 
we, you just need to, everybody needs to look and see what options they have. If they don't understand them, seek professional advice. We'll go through, figure out what you can do, and then we'll do it. Uh, say, okay, let's put some here. Let's put some here. You know, this looks like a good option maybe for next year, but not for this year. So um, everybody's circumstance is pretty individual. One other thing that it, it, this reminds me of is something that, that we've seen with our clients. And um, it used to be that folks would stay at a company for 25 years. They'd work there the whole career and retire. Well, that's pretty straightforward. Here are my benefits. You know, it might change a little bit year to year, but it's, it's pretty um, similar. Well, now you see a lot more moving around, you know, changing jobs, going for a promotion at another company. Well, what what can happen when you when you do that is your benefit plans change. And so what you don't want to have happen is you've left a job and you just leave your 401k out there at the previous custodian and not pay attention. Well, now I have a new benefits plan. Don't forget that you have that other money yeah. and there's some actions that you need to take because you can, you, we've seen that people forget that they have it and um, you know, it, it helps just to keep things consolidated and to pay attention, especially when you're in the middle of changing careers or changing jobs. You were talking about taxes. Now it, there are several kinds of IRAs. There's a, the Roth and then there's the traditional. Talk to me about how taxes play into how someone should think about where they're putting their money. It impacts not only the tax situation, the planning, but it also impacts the investments that are in the account. But um, if we think about a Roth option versus a regular 401k, 403b contribution, the 401k or the 403b contribution is pre tax. So in the example that Luke gave, Okay, $100,000, you put $7,000 in your HSA. Well, you're only reporting income of 93. It's the same way with a 401k or 403b that is pre tax. So it essentially allows you to use the government's, um, call it tax free holiday until you retire and take money out. So it's tax free now. You pay tax later when you take it out. And so the Roth, by contrast, you pay tax today. And the benefit that you get is those dollars, they in, you invest them, they grow over time. You've paid the tax now. So later, 20 years down the road, you take that money out and you don't owe any tax. So you get all of that appreciation um, tax-free. So it, it's important to look at in your individual circumstances, based on your tax brackets, based on what you expect your rates to be now versus in the future, that helps make that decision, which contribution type is right for you. And of course, Luke can go much more in detail on that as a CFP. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a bet on taxes and we really don't know what those are going to be. So we kind of, uh, there's a saying, you pay your money and you take your chances. <laughs> uh, that's kind of what all these things are. We think we know what's going to happen, or we think there's a good probability of this kind of tax thing or that kind of tax thing happening in the future, but none of us really know. Typically, 
Roth 401ks uh, or Roth IRAs make the most sense for people earlier in their careers that are kind of at those lower tax rates. You know, if you see your career doing really well and you end up at paying some higher taxes, you may be better off taking the tax deduction in the traditional form of a 401k or a deductible IRA. Um, so Roth early, uh, traditional 401k later has been the conventional thinking that can be a very individual piece of advice, depending on uh, what you think will happen with taxes or what might happen to your income next year. You know, if you have a year where you're between jobs or you take a sabbatical or whatever it is, where your income is a little bit lower, well, maybe that year makes sense for a raw contribution versus a traditional contribution. So mostly the conventional wisdom is uh, sooner is better than later on a Roth. So, so younger people benefit more, but uh, you can, that's based on a set of tax assumptions and, and who knows what those will be. And even under certain circumstances, you can do both. You could invest in your 401k in the pre-tax and you can also invest in a Roth that's available for some individuals and not others. It it kind of depends on if you have IRA dollars hanging out there and now we're getting into all sorts of complications, but there are certain tricks called two-step Roths where you can not only contribute to your 401k, but also get some money in a Roth account as well. Is the type of investment being made in your retirement account important? We think so. Um, it's something that we try to pay attention to. It's when you have multiple account types. And what I mean is you have either tax deferred or tax exempt or taxable. So the, depending on the tax treatment, that can help inform what kind of investments best belong in those accounts. And, and I'll give you an example. So if you have a, a stock that's paying you a dividend, oftentimes those dividends are taxed at better rates than your, say, W-2 income. Hmm. So there's a, a lower tax rate that applies. And, and not every time, but, but often. Putting those stocks perhaps in a taxable account and paying that lower rate is better, potentially, depending on the timeline, better than putting it in an IRA account. Instead, we might consider, well, what better fits in a 401k or an IRA retirement account? Perhaps it's an investment that's a little less tax efficient, that's more expensive, that pays higher interest that is taxed at ordinary rates that could exceed the same rates that you would pay on dividends. So it's important. And we call this asset location. You can still hold the assets, but it's just about how can you maximize the benefit by being cognizant of tax treatments. So that's something that we look at pretty carefully. We have not even gotten into contributions and distributions which are conundrums all under them themselves when it comes to retirement accounts. We are coming up against um, almost half an hour on this, but I would suggest that we decide to do a two-parter here and let's do our second part on contributions and distributions for retirement accounts. How does that sound to you? Good idea. There's a Sounds lot to dig, <laughs> dig into here. 
<laughs> important exactly. stuff, important stuff that, that everyone should care about. It is. It is. Um, is there any final thing within the topics that we've covered that we haven't mentioned you think we should? I'd like to touch one more time on, on what Rachel brought up about keeping, we live in a, in a pretty diverse uh, economic society and, and more people are moving from job to job. It is important to, this is all your stuff. If you saved it, Mm -hmm. At a company, company, you know, a company two, two jobs ago, you got to go get it and you got to put it in. I would think of it like a backpack, you know, then IRA is like a backpack. So that's an individual retirement account. So that is the money that you are going to use for retirement. So when you leave a job, put it in your backpack, put it in your IRA. You go to get your next job. It didn't work out, or you got a promotion out of it pretty quickly. You had $10,000 in their 401k. Go get it. Put it in your backpack. Put it in your IRA. So there's, there's some maintenance that goes with this, but it all is worth it if we can make you financially independent and let you do what you want to do when you want to do it. And there's a common misconception that 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 I've seen out there where you leave a job and you think, well, I've got this 401k when I take it out, that that equals a taxable event. That's not necessarily true. If you're doing what Luke says here about putting it in the IRA backpack, if you will, you are transferring it to a similar account. You're not taking the money out of a pre- a retirement account, you're keeping it in a retirement account, that doesn't mean you're going to have a taxable event. So as long as you're being um, intentional about these transfers, you'll be in good shape. Um, but but that's where people can get a little bit um, confused. And if people should have questions, how can they reach you at Foster and Motley? You can give us a call, uh, 513-561-561. 6640 or visited us on the web at fosterandmotley.com. All right, Luke and Rachel, part one, ladies and gentlemen, we will have part two shortly on retirement planning and look for it. Subscribe, follow, and of course, share with others too. And let us know if you've got a question you may uh, want answered. We'd love to hear from you in the comments. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Foster & Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster & Motley. The content, including mention of specific investments or planning techniques, is for informational and for educational purposes only. It is not intended as a recommendation or a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.